the world's largest automotive criminal conspiracy, Volkswagen, recently flew all the usual suspects, the domesticated so-called journalists who really just review cars, all the way to South Africa. The better that they might reiterate Volkswagen's potted PR talking points orbiting the fake Ranger clone. Millions of dollars were spent on this undertaking globally. Therefore, it must be time for an evil bar steward, such as, to state the bleeding obvious. I'm John Logan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Straight only though. Website. Card. Now, we'll get into this in a moment about the Amarok because it really is just the world's biggest game of thinks and says, okay? Because when you look at the Amarok objectively, as if you just teleported here from Alpha Friggin Centauri or something, you'd be thinking, blah. And what's being said is anything but blah. In fact, blah and anything but blah are diametrically opposed. And it's about time somebody oxygenated anything but blah, because if you're thinking about buying this car, you've got as much as 80 or 90 grand, most probably, on the line for the top spec Aventra. <sighs> because in addition to everything else they got wrong, they also can't spell. But first, the world's quickest sponsor promo for Olight, which has a sale on right now. And it ends on the 16th, which is Friday at midnight. I've got four suggestions for you in case you're scratching around for a Christmas present. These things are really good. They're robust, durable, rechargeable, cleverly designed, bright as, and versatile. So the four suggestions are the Marauder Mini, which has a really clever switch that resists being turned on by accident. And when you do turn it on, it's bright or friggin' bright. It's got spotlight and floodlight modes, so that's kind of nice. There's also the Javelot Mini, and Javelot is, I like speak, for searchlight, and this thing throws a hell of a lot of light a hell of a long way. Like, that is bright and concentrated. And it comes with this really clever moulded plastic belt carry loop and holster thingo, which is nice. The Swivel is a personal favourite. I have one in the car and one on the shelf up there. This is the one from up on there on the shelf. It's USB-C rechargeable. It is a work light and a torch magnetic. And it's got a snap hook if you need to hang it. And it also just kind of sits on the ground. So that's pretty clever. My EDC is the Warrior Mini 2, which has been in my pocket fighting with my Leatherman for months and months now and is still going strong. So that's pretty cool. I carry it every day. It's super useful. Now, they're great Christmas presents. Good. Buy one for the wife or your girlfriend or your wife and your girlfriend. But if you're going to do that, voice of experience, buy exactly the same torch, one for each. And that just reduces the cognitive burden later. So the sale winds up on Friday at midnight. I'm a big supporter of the brand. And if you miss the sale, there's a code in the description as well for 12% off after the sale. Links in the description. Back to the Amarok now.
We should talk about the gravy train phenomenon because if you're not used to the way this stuff works, you probably just sit there and consume things in the media domain, right? Like you just click on play and you have a video wash over you and you don't really think too hard about what are the commercial dynamics that are pertaining underneath the video, right? Like pertaining to the construction, the tone and what's being said. So let me just lay it out for you here. If you get invited to a gig like this, and I've been on heaps of these, I've been on the other side of this whole phenomenon, so I can speak to this with some authority, right? You get to the airport, you go to the business lounge, you fly business class, you get to a five-star hotel or resort, you eat all the best food, drink all the best wine, you have this whole money-can't-buy-rockstar experience, and there's helicopters often enough and all other kinds of rock star treatment, okay? And this is a Faustian bargain that you enter into uh, of sorts because there's really two things. One thing is you got to do it with a whole bunch of people you can't stand. So you're going to these gorgeous locations in these fantastic restaurants and doing these drive programs in exotic, well-thought-out roads, and a whole team of people is setting this kind of thing up for you. The only thing is you've got to do it with people you can't stand. So in a sense, it's the ideal job if you hate your home life, okay? And the, the other Faustian part of the arrangement is you just have to say nice things about the car. Like, if you want to remain employed and if you want to be invited back. And I say if you want to be uh, employed because if you are overly critical, no matter how well-deserved this criticism may be, then the hosting company will have a little meeting with your boss and say, get this clown in line, otherwise we're pulling our multi-million dollar advertising contract. And if that happens, it's just cheaper to dispose of you. And I have been on the receiving end of those kinds of meeting discussions three or four times in my career, and I have to say, it's not pleasant. So you kind of, in this box, the box has rules, and one of the rules is play the game, dude, okay? So the other thing that really shits me about this kind of arrangement, just so you know, if you're watching all of these reviews, is that the nature of this junket is not disclosed. And it certainly does affect what is said to you about the product. Because last time I looked, there's no point in having the media without you in the audience sitting there consuming what is produced, the content, okay? And the construction of that content, the impartiality of that and the objective usefulness therefore to you is at risk because of these Faustian bargains that are entered into so that various publications can participate in these launches. And you really need to think about that from the point of view of what is said and also what is not said in these reviews. I'm just going to give you a quote now. This is from drive.com.au, which is a division of Costello's Cockheads, also known as the Nine Network. Drive.com.au also, last time I looked, run by, perversely enough, the founder of the Meat Society. I don't know why. Anyway, the quote goes, however, unlike what you see in the relationship between the Mazda BT-50 and the Isuzu D-Max, for example, where those competitive youths share the same mechanical components, tuning and calibration, and general interior layout, Volkswagen has gone to considerable lengths to make this Amarok not feel like a Ranger.
I'd like to know how they've done that exactly because they share the same mechanical components. They share the same essential tuning and calibration. They run on the same friggin' platform. So exactly what is different again that's not cosmetic anyway? Drive goes on. This is a talking point that is reiterated. Volkswagen is extremely keen for you to think that this vehicle is so different to the Ranger, <laughs> despite being so friggin' similar, obviously. They go on and they say, quote, 20 engineers were shipped from Germany to Australia for over three years. I wonder what was second prize. Who were these lucky engineers who got to sit in bumfuck for three years? Anyway, and Volkswagen's own teams of designers and engineers were involved in the development of the new platform from day dot. <laughs> okay, then. What did they actually do, I wonder? Anyway, Drive goes on and says, So while the powertrain components are the same, they receive different Volkswagen tune for the Amarok. Do they really? Because the peak power outputs of the 2.0-litre twin-turbo engine and also the 3.0-litre V6 turbo engine are identical. So what is this different tune exactly that pertains to the powertrain? They go on and they say it's the same case for the suspension and steering and the interior is unique for Volkswagen. I'd suggest that the interior is unique in terms of the granular detail of its design, but it's freaking so similar in terms of the overall construction that it's just not funny. Like, you have to acknowledge it, otherwise we're really just playing the Emperor's new clothes here, are we not? So, 20 engineers for three years in Geelong, what did they do? I'd say that their job was mainly to integrate the two fairly shit engines that the Ranger doesn't get that are kind of really low down in the Volkswagen uh, Amarok range, okay? There's also some minor differences to the body panels, although the platform is the same. So the platform's the same, the suspension hard points are therefore the same. Therefore, there's not all that much they can do in terms of the suspension tuning, but you can change a few things, like you can put a bit of chrome on the top of the mirrors, and you can change the door handles from painted to chrome, and you can put the trapezoidal wheel arches in if you want to spend money on different pressing dials for the flares like the guards okay so you can do that fair enough does it change the underlying character does that really make it a Volkswagen I'm not sure in the context of turning this into a bespoke piece of dynamics tuning for Volkswagen I'd suggest that all of those box heads who came here all that they could achieve there is make it worse because Ford is actually pretty good at understanding Australia's uniquely shit roads and tuning for that so I'd give them the thumbs up for that and I kick them in the slats often enough for their crap customer service but the suspension tuning thing, that's one thing Ford's engineers are really good at here in Australia. And let's not forget, much of the design for the Ranger was done in Geelong here in Australia. So what Volkswagen's engineers will be able to do with the suspension tune is make it worse. And there's even some comment from these first drive reviews in South Africa to the effect that it felt a bit skittish and wasn't all that comfortable on the highway, blah, blah, blah. So guaranteed. That is what has taken place here. You know, you've got to think about what are the talking points and what's the truth? Because 
the truth is there was a bit of integration to do, like you'd have to design those subtly different body panels. And yeah, if you want to make the suspension worse, that takes effort as well. And if you want to make the interior different in a granular way, like you want to change the fabric treatment on the dash and you want to move, put a different tablet essentially vertical tablet in there for the infotainment display and make that a Volkswagen thing, then that has to be integrated as well. But you can't make the vehicle fundamentally different and the powertrains are frigging the same as is evidenced by the peak power outputs which are identical between Ranger and Volkswagen. So there's that. The whole thing's built on Ford's T6.2 platform. You can't make it substantially different. And they've made it look worse. <laughs> Like, well done. It looks like a bad remake of a four-year-old Mitsubishi Triton GLS from the front with that stupid silver finish that goes like this, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers look. What were they thinking? I normally don't comment on styling because you've got friggin' eyes, but it looks terrible, at least to me. Let me know what you think in the comments. Are you gagging to buy one? I'd love to know. So... I think the 10-speed transmissions, well, not I think, the 10-speed transmission used in both of those premium powertrains, the turbo diesel ones, is the same, and I'm assuming that 4Motion is the same as the optional all-wheel drive system for the V6 diesel in the Ford product. So what is the powertrain difference again exactly? Like, lay it out for me. And I'd suggest... Here's how this really works, okay? Why is Volkswagen doing this? You've got to acknowledge the fundamental truth. Volkswagen is in bed with Ford to do this for one reason, and it's not to make the best Amarok they can. It's to cut costs, right? Because bean counters run Volkswagen, and this is the cheapest way to get an Amarok out of the blocks. It's to share the development costs and just cosmetically differentiate the products, okay? And therefore, they're not doing everything they can to make this Amarok the tits for Australia, right? They're doing everything they can to make it seem like that while at the same time spending the least amount of money, which means doing the least amount of heavy lifting because that's how this works. And I'd suggest to you, therefore, that this is an IQ test of sorts and the sales figures will probably speak to the underlying intelligence of the ute buying community so that'll be interesting to see when it finally does lob and go on sale but we'll get to this but volkswagen sales are properly shit this year too and they're on a five-year lemmings off the cliff run stand by for that i've got the full de detail there so I'm going to ask myself and therefore rhetorically ask you what have they achieved what have they actually achieved by doing this because they think this makes sense. Decisions have been made at the highest level that say, we're going to do this because it makes sense. So what have they achieved? And I'd say a lot. We've achieved a new level of design cynicism, at least for Volkswagen, right? Not so much for Mercedes-Benz. They've kind of already done this and that worked out so well. But anyway, and I'd suggest we're going to see the... The bullshit factory in Wolfsburg is going to max itself out, okay, because we're going to be seeing unique this and authentic that in statements in relation to this new vehicle. And there's going to be so much vomit-inducing chat 
about Volkswagen's friggin' DNA. Like, come on. It's a rebadged, once-over, Joan rivers Ranger. That's what it is, dude. And they're going to be making all of these statements about authentic and unique and DNA because this vehicle's the exact opposite of that. It's a cynical makeover that you're supposed to buy. It's the shit sandwich that you're supposed to eat. Like, come on. What else have they achieved? Well, I'd suggest it's going to be hilarious. There's going to be a comedy segment on the release, right? Because there's going to be a whole bunch of senior executive dickheads standing on a stage in R.M. Williams boots and blue jeans and chambray shirts. Let's hope there's some friggin' hats as well. <laughs> and they'll be stretched over the horizon, dude. And these are people who are for whom dressing like this is such a cultural shock that they're going to need fucking instructions to get it right, okay? Like, I'm saying this because that's exactly what Mercedes-Benz did when it launched the X-Class. All these senior executives in work boots and blue jeans. What kind of shoes are these again? I'm sure they were saying in the green room. What are these? How do we actually do these up and do... Do the jeans go down the outside or do, the, do, do we tuck them in? <laughs> there would have been meetings about that. Trust me on this. So, they also proved, in my view, that Volkswagen's hallowed DNA, which they claim to cherish, like it's their fucking shroud of Turin, it's really nothing more than a dress-up exercise, right? It really is. It's nothing more than a freaking wonder bra. Like, dude, you strap a wonder bra on and it really doesn't matter on anything, no matter how poorly it fits internally, okay, can be the perfect double Ds of VW DNA. So there's that. That's a bit of an achievement. Because they always make these statements about how it's so nuanced and almost intangible, the Volkswagen DNA from the ground up. Well, this isn't from the ground up. This is just a cynical makeover, and apparently that's what Volkswagen's DNA is now. This is a good way, in my view, for a company to trash its brand values in one product iteration. Tell me if I'm wrong in the comments, but that's how I'm seeing it. So, I suggest that this is also a kind of Volkswagen Pinto moment, right? None of these soft cock reviewers on Volkswagen's five-star junket. I mean, hardcore investigative fact-finding mission, right? None of them is brave enough to suggest any of this to you because they want to come back and they don't want the advertising contract terminated. But that is clearly what this new Amarok is. This vehicle is Volkswagen's X-Class. And that's not like the Space Shuttle Challenger in the context of how well that worked out, is it? I'd love to see what happens with the sales. And I, hey, if I'm wrong, I will eat my hat. I will eat my hat instead of lending it to them to wear at the launch. <laughs> but I'm suggesting that the market is smart enough to realise that it's really just a badly rebadged Ranger with a few bespoke panels and a lot of wank. <sighs> I'd further suggest that not disclosing the junket-esque nature of this exercise for these individual outlets is a travesty 
It really is, because you deserve to know what factors pertain to the construction of a report, especially if it orbits the second biggest financial purchase that most people ever make. So if a reporter was flown business class and five star and, you know, all of that stuff to a location by a hosting company to bring you a report. Do you not deserve to know so that you can assess how that may have affected what is said to you? I think you do deserve that, and that's why I'm calling this out. I think there's a clear public interest case for you to watch these reviews with your friggin' eyes open and fully informed about the construction of these things and how that might influence you. So Australian car reviewers, and I will not call them journalists, they need to decide if they actually want to be journalists in my view or if they're just happy to be little more, in my opinion, than fluffers for the car industry because there's a big difference. And if you want to live la vida rockstar on the company dime, then okay, but at least friggin' tell your audience that that's what you're doing. Come on. I'm debating about whether to do this next bit, but hey, fuck it. Quick shout out to Paul at Car Expert. I love Paul at Car Expert. I love Car Expert. I love anything expert, clearly. You should watch his South African Amarok epic review in which he said, quote, So, we are inside the Amarok. Let's start off with the key. Yes! To which I'd suggest, no need to explain that you are sitting inside the car, mate. That's what the fucking camera's for. Come on. I do dream of the day when Australian video car reviewers develop what I would call vestigial news and current affairs broadcast production competency. Like, you don't need to explain that you're sitting in the car when people can see that you're sitting in it. And if you did that for a news and current affairs broadcast show, an executive producer would call you in quietly and say, if you ever fucking do that again, you won't be employed here later. So there's that. Still, as a counterbalance, props to Paul at Car Expert for actually pointing out in his brave on-camera segment, you know, he does a lot of prodding and poking and caressing and stroking. He is a real stroker, like, of the car, dude, come on. <sighs> on this point, it, it, makes me, it makes me want to buy a motorcycle jacket in San Francisco and grow a big fuck-off handlebar moustache. That and the wave. The wave is what does it, I'm sure. It's the, I want the motorcycle jacket, the big fuck-off moustache... Not just in November, either. I don't know why. But he is braver than that, even. For doing all of that stroking and all of that waving and all of that stuff. The bravest thing in that review, props to him, like serious respect, is pointing out how fucking flimsy, how piano accordion-like the sidesteps were in the top spec Aventra. That was extremely brave. There's a, there's a shot of Paul's boot caressing, stroking, waving at the accordion-like sidesteps, and it's going... Like, you know, <laughs> Fukushima on that fateful morning. 
And I'm just wondering, is there, was there a phone call with the PR department about that? Because that's the kind of thing that generally catalyzes a meeting in which future advertising arrangements are discussed. Perhaps we'll never know, but brave move, dude. Hashtag respect. Now, finally, before I let you go on this one, if you're going to jump into bed with a car company, you need to know how they're going commercially. So there's a public interest case for me telling you this as well. That's always good to have a laugh at the end too, isn't it? Anyway, 2017, like five years ago, six data points ago, five years in between, 58,000 sales for Volkswagen. 58's a big number, big number, okay? 41,000 at the close of last year, which is a reduction of 29%. And that sounds bad, but when you gross it up, that's like, a reduction of about $700 million in just that one year compared with 2017. Like, geez, $700 million. It would have been a conference call back to Wolfsburg about that, I'm fairly sure. And, dude, if you think that's bad, Volkswagen Australia is on track, if that's the right term, for 30,000 sales this year. Like, we've got 11 months' worth of data just... Divide by 11, multiply by 12. It's not looking good. 58,000 in 2017. 30,000 this year. They really have gone poopy, have they not, commercially? That's a reduction of 11,000 sales in just one year. 25% year on year. Another $440 million less in terms of cash flow. To me, like, that's amazing. Just after Dieselgate, they were selling roughly twice as many vehicles as they will this year. How does that work? Is that the amount of time it takes for word to get around? Like, this has to be bad for dealers. You can't have a reduction of 50% over five years in terms of your sales volume without that, you know, Dresden, February 15, 1945 kind of impact on the bottom line. It's all just smoke and burning bridges, is it not? Anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, in the light of all of this, do you think I'm being unfair? And do you still want to buy an Amarok? Let me know in the comments, you fanboy. I know there'll be fanboys out there who think I'm being grossly unfair, but let's try and stick to the facts. Like, where am I wrong, dude? Like, come on. Anyway, up next... Lenny Kravitz.